Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. I'm here. You are welcome here. Just kick back and relax. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Josh and I'm on the team here at Arena. Now, Christian, our lead pastor, is currently on study leave, um, but he's definitely going to be checking in, just checking how things go. Who misses Christian? I do. We're blessed with an amazing lead pastor. Um, but the good thing is today is when he asks how it went, I can say church was on fire. Um, <laughs> of course. But listen, thanks for helping us out with that. So we're in summer in the Psalms, and basically the, the premise, the idea for this series is just for a few people to share around their, their favourite Psalms. Now, I've said to you on the stage a few times, like, I have a lot of favourites. Is there anyone else who's got a lot of favourites in life? Like, you know, if you ask me to choose my favourite movie, I'll give you like 15. You know, if you, the same with my favourite band or favourite chocolate or food. I'm like that. And I'm a little bit like that with my Bible verses. And one day, you know, you know Psalm 1 could be my favourite Bible verse and the next day it could be John 3.16. Do you know what I'm saying? In that moment, it's my favourite. <laughs> but with this Bible verse, with this Psalm, this is stuck with me for probably seven years. I I still remember the first time it became real to me. The psalm is Psalm 27. And I I was at work on my dinner break and I just flicked my Bible open and um, I started reading this psalm. It wasn't expecting anything great, you know, it wasn't this great deep Bible study. I I was just opening, opening my Bible and I read this psalm and God just spoke to me through it. You know, as God does, it's amazing when he does that. He just spoke to me through it. And just tears began to fill up in my eyes, like my colleagues around. I'm like, oh, hey, it was awful today. <laughs> we've all done it. Come on, we've all been there. Are you crying now? No, it's just my hay fever. It's so bad, honestly. That, honestly, I'm not crying at Coronation Street. My wife, she's like, honestly, when we're watching films, she's like an ice queen, honestly. And I'm there, I'm like dying. <laughs> It could be anything. It could be Happy Gilmore and I'm going to cry here. But Psalm 27, let me read it. It's a David psalm. And David, for those of you who don't know, he was a king of, king of Israel. David was a great guy, but he was an amazing musician as well. And he wrote these songs and poems. And Psalm 27 says this. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For the day of trouble... He will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I'll sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I'll seek. Don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in your anger. You have been my helper. Don't reject me or forsake me, God my Saviour. Though my uh, my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. 
Don't turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. That's a great psalm, isn't it? Listen, we'll come back to it in just a second, but I want to ask a question first. Have you ever been around somebody who has too much confidence? Yes. Who, my friends better not be looking at me. I see, I see your judging eyes. I can see you. But have you ever been around someone with too much confidence? I mean, a healthy amount of confidence is great. But I'm talking about a confidence that is borderline delusional. You can even take away the borderline. <laughs> Just delusional. See, I'm talking about the kind of person who says that if they had a fight with Anthony Joshua, they would come out on top. You know, the kind of person who says something like, you know, if it was me or Cristiano Ronaldo taking a penalty, I would be the one you should choose. You know, that's delusional. You know, it, it makes no sense. Now, I, I love people to back themselves. I, I hate it when people say, no, I'll never win. I could never do it. I, I hate that. But really? Now, I, I'm confident. But I know that if I step into a ring with Anthony Joshua, listen to me. It will use me as a toothpick. <laughs> Honestly, like two punches. We have this debate quite a lot about, would you get in the ring with Anthony Joshua for a million pounds? And my answer is always no, because I'd be dead. I literally, he would kill me. Like this guy is six foot seven and I'm like five foot something. <laughs> He'd kill me. See, this one night, I was hanging out with my friends. This was 10 years ago, so I've obviously done really well to move on from this. We were hanging out with my friends, okay? It was just a great night, just around my mum and dad's house, because that's where I lived then. We just did mum and dad's, having a great time, friends around, everyone's enjoying it, until one of my friends comes out with this statement. He says this, he says, I would batter you at golf. And let me tell you, my inner American was like, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't just go there. Now, being the mature Christian and man of God that I was back then, I obviously just recited the Lord's Prayer and blessed him in the name of the Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that that is, is not the case, everybody. I told him there was more chance of Mickey Mouse winning a fight with the Incredible Hulk. I, I, I told him there was no chance. He had no idea. See... What you might not know about me, and please don't switch off because I said golf. I saw everyone like go to sleep straight away. But what you don't know about me is that I, I love golf. Like golf is one of my, my main sports. I love to play it. Like every day uh, when I was a teenager, my dad would pick me up from school. We'd go to the golf course. So I, I played thousands of rounds of golf. I, I'd hit numerous balls. I, I was well trained in golf. And what I knew about my friend was this. He played golf like 15 times. So I was confident, even though we'd never play golf together, that I would sort him out. Now, he, of course, took him up on his challenge. And look, the result isn't important. Um, okay, you twisted my arm. I battered that guy. I showed him. It's not about me today, but I showed that guy who was the boss. 
Like, look, there's beating somebody and then there's taking it easy. Look, I'm just not that guy. <laughs> Honestly, I beat him by like nine holes. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was messy out there. But the rebuttal we used to use in our friendship group to this kind of delusional confidence was this. We said, you keep that confidence. And what we were saying is this, saying, look, we can't see it, but you keep believing it, boy. That was the idea. See, that's the title of my message today. Keep that confidence. See, I think there's this negativity perceived around confidence at times. Almost that you can't be a follower of Jesus and be confident. See, I'd like to argue that you can't please Jesus without being confident. Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for an assurance about what we do not see. Skip a few verses and go to verse 6. And the writer says this, and he says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God. We see here in Hebrews that faith and confidence are intrinsically linked. So you can't have faith without confidence. We must have confidence that God is good that God saved us, that he is with us. See, this takes confidence in God. See, the question isn't whether you should live with confidence. The question today is, what is your confidence in? What is your confidence in? In our world, confidence is a highly valued commodity. In the workplace, in that sports team, in the friendship groups, in schools, it seems that the people who are the most confident push themselves to the fore. Is that true? See, if you Google, and I I Googled this, I'm a Googler, I like Googling. If you Google how to get confidence, Google brings up 458 million results on how to get confidence. Now, that's a lot, everybody, just so you know. Now, I was curious because I just wanted some sort of comparison. So, I also Googled how to be fulfilled. And there was only, I mean, I say only, still a lot, 76 million results. But what Google is telling us is this, that people want to be, um, people are more likely to want to be confident than to live a fulfilled life. Actually, six times more confident. That was surprising to me. People want to live with confidence. It's clear that confidence is high on the agenda in our world today. In Psalm 27, David's going through a tough spot. He's he's in a troubling time. See, there's wars breaking out against him. People are saying bad stuff about him. And it seems as well like he'd fallen out with his parents. He says, even though my mum and dad desert me or forsake me, you're there. He's going through a tough spot. Have you ever been through a period like this? Where life's just getting on top of you? When it just seems like nothing's going right. That's where David was. His life seemed to be falling apart. See, in these seasons, it's so easy to lose confidence, to become insecure. But right in the midst of the catastrophe around him, David makes a choice to keep his confidence. We see right at the start of this psalm that David opens up with this great declaration. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
when the wicked advance against me to devour me. It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident. So we can be so quick to read the Bible and rush on that these gritty, real accounts become sanitized stories. See, David is pouring out his heart here to God. He's pouring out his heart. He's like, God, I need you. See, we all know what it feels like when we're having a bad day, when you've lost your job, when you get a bad report from the doctor, when that friend's betrayed you. It hurts. You can be mad, scared, and often a mixture of all of the above. And that's where David is right now. See, it's clear that David's feeling scared in this moment. See, why would he make the opening declaration, I will not be afraid if he wasn't? See, I don't go up to my wife and say, Helen, I'm going to give you a kiss. I will not be afraid. (laughs) If I did that, she'd be like, Josh, what is your problem? What are you scared of? See, it's clear because of his declaration that we know he's scared. He's telling himself, I won't be afraid in the midst of fear. This was a real situation. See, life can be frightening. And a lot of the time, we don't like to admit it. But we face opposition and situations that we just aren't able to defeat. This makes us angry, afraid, hurt, and it just leaves us feeling helpless. What can I do? See, this is where David gets it so right. He doesn't go off to his friend and and sit down and go, honestly... The week I'm having. My mum and dad have fallen out with me again. War's breaking out against me. People keep saying bad stuff about me. I'm just such an idiot. What am I doing? He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't go with the declaration of negativity because that's so often where we go, isn't it? Oh, what am I doing? I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? He didn't go. With that declaration. See, instead of looking inwards, he looked upwards. See, when we look inwards, we see our shortcomings, our weakness and our failures. Because we all know we're not perfect. Anybody? But when we choose to look upwards to God, we look to his endless power, to his might, to his goodness and to his favour. See, when we look to God, we realise again that he can save us and that he can deliver us and that he will come through. Is there anybody that believes that this morning? See, David knew that his declaration determined his destination. See, he knew that what was going to come out of his mouth was going to determine where he was going to go. You know when you're forever declaring negativity over yourself? Let me tell you, that is where you go. You see negative people. And why are they negative? Because they are always saying negative stuff. Don't negative people just drain the air out of a room? Because of what they say and then their appearance changes and then the way they act changes. You see, I've had to, uh, to, to put this into work in my own life. And I've seen that when my declaration changes, the way I act completely changes. In Proverbs 18 verse 21, it says this, by the way, written by David's son. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it, will eat its fruit. See, your declaration is so important. You'll never have confidence and never live with confidence when you're forever confessing negativity over your life. 
I'm not good enough. I'm ugly. I'm a failure. I'm a lost cause. I can't do it. Stop making that declaration over yourself. Stop looking at your weakness and begin to look at God's greatness. See, if you constantly declare that you're going to be a loser, I promise you, you'll lose. You'll lose. Because that's all you're thinking about. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. See, negativity does not work. Now, you can look at the world for this as well, because sports psychologists have uh, proven that performance quickly deteriorates when you focus on the negative. For example, if I have a penalty to win the World Cup and all I'm thinking when I step up to that penalty is don't miss, the chances are extremely high that I will miss. Because all I'm thinking about is missing. If you watched a lot of the World Cup, which I did, um, don't talk to my wife about it, we're not over it yet. (laughs) If you watched a lot of it, you'll have heard the pundits talking, Alan Shearer, Ian Wright, they talked a lot about penalties and what they said is when you take a penalty... What you have to do is you have to know what you're going to do before you even step up. So what they do is the the top guys, Harry Kane, we saw saw him bang a few in. He knows what he's going to do as soon as he picks that ball up. He puts it down. He says, I'm going to knock it in that top corner, that top left corner. He knows what he's going to do. He focuses on the positive and psychology has proven that you are ultimately far, far more likely to score focusing on the positive than the negative. See, it's the same in our lives. Stop speaking words of death over yourself. Change your declaration. Stop saying what the world says about you and start to say what God says about you. I am a child of God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God will never leave me or forsake me. I am made in God's image. See, that's what God says about you. That's in his word. It's in the Bible. And when it's what God says about you, you can take it to the bank because it is the truth. See, when this becomes your declaration, you can walk with confidence because your declaration is based upon what God himself says about you. See, when you speak words of life, watch how your day changes. Watch how your attitude changes. Watch how God's peace fills your heart. Watch how God elevates you as you speak words that bring life to people. See, David then, he goes on to ask something of God. He says in verse 4, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. See, David realized that the enemy to confidence is self-confidence. The enemy to confidence is self-confidence. See, this is the reason that the church at times has shunned confidence. Because we haven't distinguished between confidence and self-confidence. See, self-confidence is based upon me. Real confidence is based upon God. See, the definition of confidence is this. It's the feeling or belief that one can have faith in or rely on someone or something. See, if my faith is placed in my abilities, in my strength, in my brilliance, then let me tell you, I'm in big trouble. Self-confidence is temporary. It changes day to day and it leaves as quickly as it comes. 
See, what happens when I lose the job? What happens when I get that health report? What happens if my family's falling to pot? Uh, to pot? What happens when I face one of the many overwhelming challenges that life has to throw at me that I'm just not equipped to face? What if I'm not looking my best? What if I go bankrupt? What if my house gets repossessed? Self-confidence will leave you faster than you can blink. Some of the most insecure people I know are the most self-confident. They might look confident on the outside, but inside they're a wreck. As soon as you get them in that, that humble moment, as soon as you get them when they've messed up, let me tell you, it drains so quick. See, the measuring stick for self-confidence is comparison. I'm either better than you or not as good as you. So in one room, I'm the boss. In the other, I can't look you in the eye. Comparison makes you sick. Comparison destroys your heart. Comparison gets your eyes off of anybody else and gets your eyes all on you. What David is saying here in this verse, in verse 4, is God, I need you. God, I can't do it without you. God, you're my main priority because without you, I can't lead this nation. Without you, I can't fight this battle. Without you, God, I'm lost. See, David had many talents. He was a talented guy, but his greatest asset was his heart for God. In 1 Samuel 13, we see that David is described as a man after God's own heart. See, David knew that without God, he was nothing. See, David, when, um, when Samuel went to... So, so God said to, um, to Samuel, who was the prophet, he said, go to Jesse's house. So Jesse was David's dad. He said, there's going to be a king there. That's where the king is going to come from, Jesse's family. So Samuel went to Jesse's house and lined up six of his seven kids. Do you know which kid he didn't bother rolling out in front of Samuel? David. David. Why is that? Well, we see that David was talented, but obviously Jesse, his own father, thought that his son was the least of their family. So David knew that the biggest asset he could have was his heart for God. When he fought the battles, it wasn't him, it was God. When he won the battles, it wasn't him, it was God. When he was in a tough spot, it wasn't him, it was God. See, when our confidence is placed in God, it's placed upon a foundation that cannot be shaken. This is why Jesus is called the cornerstone of our faith. Because he's what we have to build on and he's what we build around. He is where confidence starts. See, when all around you is falling to pieces, you can have confidence because it's in a God who's unshakable. It's in a God who doesn't change. It's in a God who's always there. It's in a God who cares and has the power to come through. This is not just religious rhetoric I'm speaking this morning. I have lived this in my own life. And let me tell you, when I was earning a decent amount of money to when I was earning zero, my confidence was the same because it was not placed in my earning. It was placed on a God who is greater. So you can go through the storms of life and your confidence will not be shaken if it's based upon a God who is not shaken. This is where David's confidence was. The measuring stick for self-confidence is comparison. The measuring stick for confidence in God is praise and worship. 
Look what he says in verse 6. Look what David says in verse 6. He says, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Now that makes no sense. That verse makes no sense. We can be honest about it. It makes no sense because how do you sacrifice joy? Surely you just feel joy and you go for it and that's great. How do you sacrifice joy? See, what David was saying is this. I'm going to praise God whether I'm feeling good or whether I'm feeling bad. I'm going to come to God in my worst moment and I'm going to praise him like it's my best moment because he is a good God and he deserves my praise and worship. See, when it comes to confidence in God, the question is how big can I make God in my life? How much can I honour him? How much can I give him the glory? When he gets me the promotion, can I praise him? When he increases my earnings or helps me succeed, I will give him all the praise. I will choose to give him all the praise. When my life put fall into part or I'm living the best day of my life, I'm going to choose to praise God. See, right at the end of this psalm, <clears throat> David says this. He says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, where's your confidence? Is it in God? Is it in the car? The way you look? Is it in your job? Is it in your bank balance? Is it in your relationships? What's your life built on? See, David declares here, in the midst of this tough situation, in the midst of his hurt and pain, that he will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He says, I remain confident. See, I love this because this was not his reality. He wasn't seeing goodness in this moment. He was seeing pain, hurt and trouble. But David was saying to God, God, I'm going to keep my confidence in you. God, I'm going to keep my confidence in what you say. God, I know you can come through. God, I know you're good. God, I know you are true to your word. God, I know I will see your goodness in the land of the living. What's he saying? He's saying, I know I'm going to see your goodness while I am alive. See, your faith might be in God. Your confession might be good. But maybe you've stopped believing for good things. Maybe you've dropped that dream you held in your heart for so long because you felt like a failure. Maybe you've stopped praying for healing because the pain and the struggle of your ailment has consumed you. Maybe you've stopped believing that family member will come to God because you've prayed long and hard and it feels like nothing's changed. Maybe your reality has determined your destiny and you've stopped dreaming. All you can see is a long, hard road ahead. I want to encourage you this morning. Pick that dream back up. Believe for healing. Believe that you can be changed. Believe that God can do it again. See, go to God. See with his vision and not with your eyes. That dream that God called you to, that dream that God placed in your heart, God is saying again, pick it up. Come with me again. Will you trust me again? Will you come to me again? Will you believe in me again? See, God is calling you out this morning. He's saying, I'm enough for you. Saying, trust me. Believe in me. I'm good. I am here. 
I've never left anybody and I'm not going to start with you. I know there's hurt people in this place. I know there's people who've dropped the dreams. I know there's people who, because of the, the, just the toughness of life, you just feel beat up. But God's saying again, get your confidence off of anything else that's not me. Come to me again and let's see where we can go. You know, maybe what he's saying is this. Maybe he's saying, there is more. There's more for you. There's bigger for you. There's greater for you. Change your confession to I will see the goodness of the Lord in my life. I want to encourage you again, church, today to keep that confidence. Not a confidence that's placed in you and your abilities, but a confidence that is built around and placed upon a God that cannot be shaken. I just want to ask you, bow your head and close your eyes just for a second. I just want to pray. First of all, I want to ask, if you don't know Jesus, if you've been around this service this morning and you say, Josh, I feel something, I've seen something different.